G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Well, Flashman, I have been teasing this all morning and it is time to bust some myths with a man who has been putting, we put a lot of hard work and effort into putting uh, together a report on the state of Tasmanian football and the viability of an AFL team in the Apple Isle. That, of course, is Colin Carter, and he joins us on the line. Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Good to be with you. We really do appreciate you you joining us. Obviously, a busy time and coming up to a busy time for for the push for Tasmanian football. There's there's a little bit of a uh, a conception at the moment that the bid is in genuine trouble. Um, What what can you see? Is this is it is it real Uh, or or is this just an argy bargy in the typical politics of of two two companies and parties coming together to to make a deal on on what is a a, a significant investment in in Australian football and also significant investment in, in Tasmania as well. Well, I honestly don't know. Um, I'm not part of the process at the moment. In fact, I just got back a day or so ago from six weeks in the States. But, Lovely. Um, I, I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic because uh, the people in Tasmania want it. Um, I believe the AFL is really favourably disposed to it. And importantly, all of the polls of footy supporters around Australia show a very strong majority in favour of a team there. So... I think it's going to be hard for the people who want to kill it, but that's not to say that there aren't some big issues. And uh, obviously, the uh, the stadium debate that's going on at the moment, I I don't know whether, as you say, whether that's just argy bargy or whether it's a uh, a seriously uh, sort of terminal factor in it. But uh, hopefully, it's not. Hey, Colin, good morning. Thanks for joining us. I mean, and that is the the talking point is the stadium situation. Um, what were your findings as to whether a new stadium was required? Whether that was instantly or in time uh, as the as the team evolves and it becomes a process a little bit down the track. What, what was your thoughts on that? Well, my personal views at the time were that it wasn't immediately necessary. Um, I didn't uh, dip into that because um, uh, I had strong views about the sort of stadium that was required and my views generally run in the direction of it should be smaller than most people want. I mean, I think this... Australians have always wanted big stadiums. Um, uh, if you look at the Premier League stadium, just the Premier League alone in England, I think probably more than half of them, even in England, are less than 30,000 capacity, and some of them are less than 20,000 capacity. It seems to me that the prospects for a Tasmanian football team are enhanced if the uh, stadium is not too big. If, if I take Geelong as an example, uh, one of the things that under, underscores Geelong's reasonably capable position is the supply-demand situation at the stadium. If you're a Geelong supporter, at the start of the year, you buy a membership and a reserved seat. Um, you don't have the luxury of sort of sitting at home and looking at the weather on at the weekend and say, will I, will I not go to the footy? You, you've got to um, make that decision in advance. And that's the same with the Eagles and the Crows over there in Perth and Adelaide. And so I think it's important, particularly in the early years when the team may struggle, not to have a stadium that's too big. So, so just to be clear, because it's still, it's still, uh, the waters are murky around this, and it's the one thing that's been thrown around. In the Carter report, it is not, it is not clear 
that you have to have a new stadium. It is not a deal breaker, is it? it there's stadia there already, uh, and, and you found that that's significant, uh, that's significant for kicking off a team. It may not be the thing going forward, but it's still significant that it doesn't need to be a brand-new stadium day dot. That was my position at the time, yes. Uh, interesting that you talk about Geelong as, a, as an example, and I think that's probably the, the best correlation in terms of what a Tasmanian team looks like. Um, and, and you've been involved in Geelong for a little bit. Is that is that the model that you looked at probably more than anything else in terms of uh, a rural, a rural, I'll say a regional town uh, with a decent population, but a real parochialism towards their own and their ability to, as you say, sell out uh, crowds and, and that supply and demand. Are they the, are they the model that you've looked at the most? Yeah, and I think that's the most relevant. And it's complicated further in the Tasmanian case by the fact that you've got two stadiums. And and that's not... Um, I understand the reason for playing the splitting the games between Hobart and Launceston, but let's not fool ourselves that there isn't a pretty significant financial penalty attached to that. Uh, uh, Tolong was, for example, trying to operate out of two stadiums that would be a, a, a tougher journey to mm-hmm. climb. Mm-hmm. Colin, plenty of the mainland folks we keep listening to, they just don't seem to understand how important it is to the life or death of Aussie rules in Tasmania. What did you find as how this will impact the code as a whole down here? And if it does or doesn't happen, what, what was your outline take from that? Um, I'm not a... Uh, that would have taken a, a fair bit of separate analysis and sort of a, a deep dip into the sociology of and the psychology of Tasmanians. But I think it's pretty obvious that if people feel disenfranchised and don't have their team, over time, uh, the interest diminishes. And uh, I know also, and I thought Peter Gutwin was a really good case example of, uh, of the situation. He he was clearly burning about the fact that in so many industries, young Tasmanians with talent had to go to the... Um, elsewhere in Australia to get their opportunities. And he, I was surprised to find when I started that work that he had left Tasmania as a young bloke and went to Perth to play with Swan Districts in the Waffle, um, obviously because that created the opportunities. And so I think he was committed to the idea that Tasmanians should be able to stay at home and participate in in the highest level of footy. And I, I bought that. And I think that the absence of those opportunities doesn't help our code in Tasmania at all. Interesting that you mentioned Peter Gutwin there. Do, do you think um, do you think that ta- the the push is in a weaker position now that um, he's not the the premier? And as you mentioned, he's he was really strong about keeping Tasmanians in Tasmania. And second part of that question, from him leaving office as premier, have the goalposts shifted a little bit from where they were originally? Um, I don't know uh, whether it's weakened because I don't know the new Premier. Um, what I do know when I was down there was that uh, there was clearly support for the Tasmanian team from the various political parties down there. So I, I'm not in any basis to say whether the... I don't have any basis to say whether the cause is weak and strengthened or, or as much the same. So, um, no, I don't... Uh, I, 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 and what was the second part of the question? Uh, in part sorry. of the, sorry, the goal, the goalpost. So, so at the moment, like the stadium is all, it's cropped up at the last moment here. It's also, well, who's going to pay for that? In terms of actually getting a side, um, and it was yeah. really positive early on. I was like, yep, all right, they're ticking a lot of boxes. The belief campaign's really strong. Do you think now that it's getting down the road a little bit, that the goalposts are shifting a little bit? And because and, the, the feel is that maybe that 
a change in government, the AFL have taken this and sort of thought, well, right, yeah, we actually, you know what, we're going to change what we require for, for the Tasmanian government, the Tasmanian people to stump up to get their own team. Now, I have no basis to say where the goalposts have moved. It'd be surprising in the course of a long negotiation if the goalpost hadn't moved, you'd expect them to. Um, whether this particular shift that you talk about, the issue you talk about is a, a shift, I'm not sure. I mean, the, it's, it's also, I should say, and I wasn't, uh, uh, I wasn't sort of talking about this, but let's be clear, the AFL doesn't build stadiums anywhere. Um, so I've always taken that as a given. The, if you take the Geelong Stadium, the Geelong Football Club has put more money into the redevelopment of its stadium than the AFL has. Um, the state governments um, in Western Australia and South Australia built their stadiums. The state government in Victoria has produced 90 or 95% of the money for the rebuilding of the Geelong Stadium. So I, I, I take it as a given that um, um, government, whether it's state, and it's mostly state in most cases, but it could also be federal, um, provide the funding for stadiums, which are part of community infrastructure. And particularly in case, if you had a, a new stadium in Hobart, um, most of the justification for that would have to come from non-football sources. I mean, we're only talking about six games or seven games a year in Hobart, and so the main justification for a new stadium in, in Hobart would have to be all of the other things that people invent mm. to take place in a stadium like that. But no, stadiums around Australia are built by governments. Uh, Colin, I often hear with uh, with their critics, I guess the, the Gold Coast president, the Collingwood president, etc., talking about the economic factors um, going forward. We're, we're potentially going to have a recession, a worldwide recession. If you listen to some people, what were the key economic factors that you found supported the Tasmanian bid, and what were the areas the task force and the government needed to address to ensure that this got up? Um, I. Well, I looked at the fundamental economics of the of what the state could support, and and the most important thing is there's a very strong correlation between the level of support, the market share of support that a football club has, and its capacity to generate revenue, whether it's from memberships or sponsorships. And when you look at the size of the Tasmanian population, and assume that most of that population can be attracted to supporting a Tasmanian team, that supporter base would put. Um, a Tasmanian team, not at the bottom of the 18, but sort of around about the, the gap between the the middle third and the bottom third. So it's not going to be the smallest team. So that's enough. And on top of that, the commitment of the Tasmanian government, which we assumed would be about $10 million a year, um, was enough to provide that plus the inherent supporter base of the, the club would, would be enough, providing the club was well managed and not trashed would be quite adequate to be a competitive force in the AFL. So uh, um, I thought all the numbers stacked up and a lot of the other stuff which has been debated, like whether there'll be enough players in the competition, I, they're all red herrings. I mean, one of the statistics is that nobody's ever talked about, but which we put in the report, is that the average length of a playing career, and Jack, you'd appreciate this, the average playing career for footballers for about nearly 100 years up until 1900 was 60 games a year. And now it's 120 games a year, average across the AFL. So essentially the, the size of the playing pool has doubled in the last 20 years. So anybody who wants to talk about um, um, lack of players is actually nonsense. I, I find the comments of some of those other clubs mystifying. I'm a great fan of Tony Cochran and what he's done up there. I got to know him a bit when I was up in the hub um, 18 months ago. 
but I can't, I can't even begin to fathom um, his attack on the proposition of a Tasmanian team on the basis that it can't be afforded. It seems to me that he's saying, we don't want another team like me, like us. And that's a sort of a pretty weird argument to make um, because in arguing that the Tasmanian team will be a drain on the competition, I think he's effectively saying, we don't want another drain like I am, like my club is, and I don't think their club is a drain either. The, uh, here, here for that. <laughs> the, the one thing that Tasmania does have is an amazing history in the fabric of, of AFL football and the great game of, of Aussie rules. How yes. do you, when you do a report like this, do you place more weight in the economics or do you place more weight in the fundamental fabric of Tasmania being a traditional football state and the, all the history that comes with that that you can't go and just buy? You, you cannot buy the history that Tasmania has. You need both of them. And the great merit that Tasmania has is that you don't have the long and expensive process of trying to persuade people that ours is a good game. Um, it's very hard to shift market shares in most products and footy is the same. So the fact that Tasmania has that love of Australian rules football is a huge asset. But you need the economics as well. I mean, King Island might have a uh, massively... Uh, loyal Australian football community, but you wouldn't put a team there um, because the size of the market is not big enough to support it. And so uh, that's why um, the, the loyalty and love of footy is a bedrock asset that you've got. Then the question is, is that big enough? Are there enough people who have drunk the Kool-Aid that actually makes the prospect of a team viable? And, and I think the answer to that is clearly yes. Colin, can I give you a hypothetical situation, if you don't mind? If you were brought into a meeting with the 18 club presidents to make a case for them to vote either way, what would you say to them, particularly around the stadium situation? Uh, well, I think the case rests on the fact that, the, uh, as I said a moment ago, I think you've got a footy community, that a, a state that loves footy, and the state's big enough to support a team. Um, on the stadium, I... I um, I've got to tread carefully because I'm not part of the negotiations and I don't want to stuff things up. But I would, um, I guess I would say that um, the vision of a new stadium is a terrific one and we should all work towards it. But um, the reality is that we're going to play AFL football in that stadium on perhaps six days a year and the other 359 days um, require a fair bit of work to to uh, figure out what's going to happen there to generate enough revenue to justify a $700 million stadium. And so until that case is well established, uh, we've got York Park and Hobart, which seem to be quite apparent to Hawth quite acceptable to Hawthorne and North Melbourne. Um, and so that provides the suitable base case for us to start on. And, and by the way, um, I think a new team, no matter how well it's planned, will struggle for a few years. And if I was running the Tasmanian team... I would prefer to play in a stadium of 14,000 people that's packed all the time rather than a 30,000-seat stadium, which might be half full. The um, impact of that on, on morale is very different. I've only got to look at the jack jumper situation at my state bank arena. So 5,000 Tas crazy Tasmanians packing in there and the environment it creates, it could be uh, 30,000 for, for what you know. The, the last one, if... This doesn't get up, Colin. Do you fear for football in Tasmania? If, the, if this uh, 19th licence and Tasmania team push comes to nothing in the end, 
Uh, is there a, a, a real fear of where football could head in, in Tasmania? Uh, yes, there is. Um, I guess if the cynic in me would say that um, you could probably argue that football's future would be enhanced if we also stuck a team in Cairns or in Alice Springs or Broome. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's life. It just seems to me that's an unnecessary and unfair cost given the fact that on any reasonable count a Tasmanian team qualifies. I mean, the point I've often made is that uh, we've got teams in Melbourne that are 150 years old that are still supported by the AFL. And I've never been sure why we're prepared to support the 10th team in Melbourne rather than the first team in Tasmania. It doesn't, doesn't make any sense at all. Well, Colin, uh, we could continue talking to you for hours on hours. what is a very passionate subject uh, for, for obviously myself and David, for, for all Tasmanians and people football right people people football people right around the country. We do really do appreciate your time, and uh, we hope you enjoyed your six week holiday away in the states. I did, and uh, I hope the uh, Tassie team gets gets up. Very much hope so. There we are, Colin Carter, the um, the writer of the or the author, sorry, of the Carter Report, with some very strong views about football in Tasmania.